Welcome to the Truthiverse. My name is Brendan D. Murphy. This is where we unleash truth and freedom with no holds barred, no fear, and no limits. Come and evolve beyond the matrix with me and thrive, not just survive. This is a realm of empowering, uncommon awareness. This is my Truthiverse. If you're a discerning, open-minded, and dedicated seeker who loves a good deep dive into the nature of reality and consciousness, then do check out my book, The Grand Illusion, composed of over 10,000 hours of research and experience. Find more information and reader reviews at brendandmurphy.com slash TGI. So it was revisionary theology that you termed it? Yeah, revisionary theology. I don't know what else to call it, really. Uh, I'm revising the classical interpretation, so I'm not dependent on the classical view of theology or history whatsoever mm. being outside the industry uh, and i'm quite happy to reevaluate the text in a fashion that makes more sense because yeah. as we'll go through this the original uh interpretation makes absolutely no sense whatsoever um because you can't find these people in the historical record so somehow you've got to f- attach this story back into history hmm. if not if you can't do that then it's pure mythology yeah yeah um and those are the, the you know the two two other choices and i'm sort of treading a median path between the two and trying to put it back into history cool i like that well with that i'm going to just interject a very brief intro and i'll let you continue your your line of thought there so ladies and gents we are talking to ralph ellis He's a researcher of 40 years plus in this realm, uh, the realm he calls revisionary theology. And um, we're going to get into a few interesting subjects here. He's already touched on a couple. And I think the the historical factor there that you have spent so much time with is absolutely fascinating. Because as, as you said, if you can't connect these characters and figures back into a historical setting, then it, it is mythology, basically. So I think anyone who's spent that long doing that job has probably got something very interesting to, to say. And I found I found Ralph by uh, via Michael Tassarian, and I, I saw him speaking with Michael, and I, I, I was like, well, this, this is very interesting. He's done a lot of very interesting work. And I think, obviously, people should hear about it. So um, with that said, there, there are a few things when Ralph asked me what you know we might want to talk about. I, I threw out, or he threw out, things like the Gospels, the Torah. Um, I mentioned Pyramid Connections, Jesus, King of Odessa, and this whole you know tying back in the mythology into a historical uh, setting. So, Ralph, where, where do we start with this? <laughs> um, probably to set the stage, maybe back in the Old Testament before we run on to the New Testament, because that will set the stage a little bit because we have the same problem in both of these uh, ancient uh, chronicles in as as you were just saying there that these these characters are missing from the historical record and so we have this very detailed ancient record of these people and virtually none of it can be tied into real history as we know it and that's why we've we've had the controversy over theology for more than 100 years now um, since people started uh, actually investigating these texts in a sort of um, academic fashion that none of these characters are visible in the historical record so either this uh, um, this entire record is mythology uh, or perhaps we're looking in the wrong place uh, or maybe for the wrong names maybe they're working under pseudonyms or something like that so you know you can either be a classical um theist so you can be a christian or a jew who just believes this story because you've got the book so therefore you believe it um or you can be critical and inevitably you end up as being a mythicist because you can't find these people in the historical record or you go down my route which is a median sort of between the two where i am actually finding these people in the historical record but in order to do so you have to be fairly broad-minded because the story changes somewhat. It's, it's funny, actually. I get rejected on both sides by mythicists and by theists um, as being a heretic. <laughs> um, and yet my biblical history doesn't change the story almost at all. 
so there's a bit of a conundrum here. I, in, in my view, I've, I've proved that historically, I'm not talking about spiritually here, I don't do that side of it, but historically, as something like 90% of the biblical story is correct, mm -hmm. but just not in the fashion that you would expect it to be. Therefore, as, as a believer, you would have to change your perspective somewhat because these characters are not who you have been taught that they were. Mm. And the classic example of this, going back into the Old Testament, we might as well start there, I suppose, yeah. um, is the Exodus and the Israelites. Because, as usual, we have this conundrum where they cannot be found in the historical record. Very famous event, Exodus, loads of people being thrown out of Egypt. Um, and all of the archaeology from the region says that this never happened. That's the problem. Um, but, you know, the, the story was far too detailed, as far as I could see, for this just be made up. Oh, well, I suppose maybe someone could make up a complex story. Um, but, uh, you know, and its transmission down through the centuries, down through the millennia, it, it struck me that there might be a real story here if we look for it. Um, and then I found that people like uh, Josephus Flavius, who is Judaism's greatest historian, I suppose you might say, hmm. um, he said that the Israelites were the Hyksos pharaohs of Egypt. Now that changes the story. So, and that the Hyksos, if people are, are unaware of, the, you know, this group of people, they were known as the shepherd kings of Egypt. They were an immigrant population into Egypt, circa something, oh, I don't know, about 2200 BC. They took over Egypt and they ruled uh, Lower Egypt, Northern Egypt, for a number of centuries, for about 400 uh, years or more, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more than that. Um, <clears throat> and they were thrown out of Egypt on a great exodus. Ah, okay. <laughs> so now we do have the, a story of an exodus. And Josephus Flavius quite controversially because no one will mention this and it's this is absolutely crazy that you won't find this in any reference book you won't really find it on wiki we we spent three months four months and about um, 36 pages of wiki trying to put it into wiki and it got deleted on 15 occasions and wow. finally we were kicked off wiki for being disruptive <laughs> and all we wanted to do was put in this quote from Josephus that he says that the Israelites, um, what, what does he say? He, he says that the Hyksos pharaohs of Egypt were our forefathers. Uh -huh. Ah, so mm. we got a direct link there. But you won't find it, as I say, in most reference books because it's just not there. It's a taboo subject. Um, but if we run down that road, and why not, you know, let's have broad, you know, open minds and see where it goes to, we will find that there is a direct connection here. Because if we go through the uh, Hyksos exodus out of Egypt, because they were pushed out, they ruled lower Egypt for a number of centuries, <clears throat> and then they had a war with the Egyptians, the Egyptians being the people from southern Egypt down in Thebes, um, they had a, a conflict. They had a civil war, basically, between the two. Um, and this was caused in part by the eruption of Santorini. Okay. So Santorini was the island in the Mediterranean that was a big volcano and it blew its top in 1600 BC. Uh, this was the, uh, the volcano that destroyed um, most of Crete, really, and the Minoan Empire was severely um, disrupted by it. It destroyed Santorini completely um, and caused havoc mm -hmm. throughout the whole of the Eastern Mediterranean. It was the largest explosion in recorded history. Mm. Okay, so now we have something that will equate with the biblical Exodus story and the story of the plagues. Mm -hmm. So for the Hyksos Exodus, then, we have a number of things that happened. We have um, a group of people 
uh, who were in Egypt. They were immigrants. Um, <clears throat> one of their leaders was called Jacob. Now, there's a clue for a starters. Um, th there was a pharaoh called Jacob, Jacoba. Um, uh, he was a Hyksos pharaoh. They were known as shepherds. They were the shepherd kings, just like the patriarchs were all known as shepherds. Mm -hmm. um, and then they had the plagues. So this is from real history. Um, there was three days of darkness. There was a great ash fall. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you know, but that's one of the uh, one of the plagues from the biblical story. Yep. Um, the biblical story is that says that um, God said unto Moses, take handfuls of ash from the hearth of the fire and throw it up into the sky and it will become a small dust over all of the lands of Egypt. It's an ash fall. Mm. That happened in 1600 BC. That was the eruption of Santorini. Okay, yep. There was a pillar of fire. There was a pillar of smoke. There was a tsunami. The waters parting and then consuming the Egyptian army. Mm. Uh, you know, as you know, with you know the big Indonesian um, tsunami from it's about ten years ago or something now, isn't it? Anyway, the big Indonesian tsunami, the sea disappeared. Yeah, and people who didn't understand this phenomena were walking out along the beach, catching the fish. You know that were just lying there on the ground because the sea had disappeared. Mm. And if the Egyptian army had done the same, well, okay. But 10 minutes later, the sea comes back in again, doesn't it? And there goes your army. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was a parting of the waters. So there was a tsunami. Uh, there was a war with the Egyptians. Um, these people, uh, the Hyksos, they were circumcised. They wore earrings and they were, wore curly side locks of hair. Yeah just like modern Judaism does. Um, and with this conflict, um, some 350,000, I think it is, of these Hyksos people were thrown out of Egypt and they went from Pyramacy to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And on the way, they destroyed Jericho. Okay. Now, that is the Hyksos. This is not from the Bible. Mm. This is the history, the real history as we know it, of the Hyksos exodus out of Egypt. And it happens to be exactly the same as the biblical account in everything bar the date. Because, of course, the date of the biblical exodus is supposed to be like 1220 uh, BC instead of 16. Uh, well, the Hyksos exodus was 1580 bc so we've got about 350 years between the two mm -hmm. apart from that it's the same yeah and then the question is do you want to accept that as being an equivalence or do you just disregard it and the problem is with most of well certainly with theology within judaism it's dismissed mm -hmm. uh within history it's largely dismissed as well because I don't know, they don't want to tread on the toes of the priesthood or something. I'm not sure quite why, but even within uh, standard history, they will not make that equivalence. Mm -hmm. They will tell you the story, but they won't tell you the similarities. Mm. And yet here uh, we have in this story, we have about five black swans. Now the black swan phenomena was named after the, the swans in Perth, Australia. It's something totally unexpected that you could never predict. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from Europe, from America, we all know what a swan is. It's a big white bird that paddles around on, on a lake. And then you go to Perth, the only place in the world, and the swans are black. And you think, well, I would have never guessed that. Mm. And from that, we, we get the notion of the black swan event something you cannot predict. Well, here in this Exodus, we have five things that no chronic could ever really have predicted. Mm -hmm. Three days of darkness for no good reason. An ash fall. Where did that come from? Pillar of fire, a pillar of smoke, and a tsunami. All at the same time. So this guy, whoever was writing this, managed to get five black swans all tied together 
not knowing, unless he was actually there and watching it, not knowing that all of these events are linked to a maritime volcano eruption. Mm -hmm. You cannot get that number of similarities by accident. This has to be an eyewitness account of what happened, the eruption of Santorini. And of course, someone was going to record this. I mean, it was the biggest event in pretty much recorded history yeah. within Europe. Someone was going to uh, note it down at some point. And it looks like the Hyksos did because it affected them so badly. Yeah. Um, and the problem in Egypt was not the fact that they had this big volcano because they were quite a long way away from it. Um, so, I mean, small dust, um, ash fall across Egypt. Well, I suppose it did affect them. If you read the works of Josephus Flavius, who also writes an account of this, um, he says it was so bad that many of the people were inwardly consumed by the air that was too thick to breathe. And if you've seen any pictures of um, the eruption of Mount St. Helens, that's exactly what you get. Yeah. So there's another black swan. So mm -hmm. you've got six of them now. Um, and so where was I going with this? Um, <clears throat> there is an obvious direct equivalence between the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we can safely assume that this description, this biblical description of the plagues followed by the Exodus is a true account of what happened in Egypt. And the Hyksos were affected not simply because of this volcano. I, that's what I was saying. They were affected by the political fallout okay. from this volcano because the gods were angry. Why were the gods angry? Well, it was your fault. And no doubt the Egyptians down in Thebes were saying, no, it's your fault. Yeah. And it caused, obviously, a civil war between these two people. And in both the history and in the biblical account, it's clear that this festered for a number of years. Um, the Bible doesn't say how long. It just festered. They kept going back to Pharaoh. And, you know, there was a to and fro between the Israelites and Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. um, in the historical record, it went on for about 20 years okay. between Pharaoh Armosi and, and Carmosi. Uh, yeah, between Carmosi and Armosi. There was about a 20-year gap between the eruption and the final exodus out of Egypt. Okay. And so the Hyksos exodus, or the Hyksos, as the Americans like to say, happened in about 1580. BC, 20 years after the eruption, and they had this enormous great exodus. And they were pushed out. Some of them, I think, <clears throat> went out across the Mediterranean. So they got onto boats and they disappeared to the various Mediterranean islands and populated. This is why we get so many Egyptian influences um, throughout the Mediterranean basin. Uh, but the majority went up uh, on a land-based route up towards Israel, Judea, and the Levant. And on the way, they destroyed Jericho. Mm -hmm. So we have this famous event from the biblical story of the, you know, the walls of Jericho come t tumbling down. And this is one of the major proofs by historians and archaeologists that the biblical story is not true. Mm -hmm. It's mythical because... Jericho was destroyed 350 years before the Exodus. Okay. Yeah, it was destroyed by the Hyksos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. it's only not true if you're clinging desperately to this 1220 Ramesside date for the Exodus. If you say that is the, it was the Hyksos Exodus, then they are directly equivalent. Yeah. And of course, within the biblical record, there is no evidence really for this 1220 Ramesside date. They only say it um, because the Israelites left from Pyramasi. And Pyramasi is a Ramesside town. It belonged to Ramesses II. And therefore, they identify the Exodus with Ramesses II, Ramesses the Great. Um, and that's where your 1220 odd date comes from. Yes, but Pyramasi 
was built upon avarice and avarice was the capital city of the Hyksos pharaohs of Egypt. Hmm. And that's where they went from. So they both went from the same city. It just had a different name when these texts were being written down. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, um, someone mentioning, uh, York in Britain as, as being the place where something happened instead of Ibicorum. Mm -hmm. Uh, same place. Okay. Yeah. But the Romans didn't call it York, you know, <laughs> they called it Ibicorum. Um, but it's still the same place. So that was one of the first things I started writing about is the direct equivalence here between real history and the biblical story. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is that the biblical story comes out of this as being 90% correct, mm -hmm. excepting that the Israelites weren't slaves. They were powerful pharaohs of Egypt. And they still managed to get thrown out of Egypt after this civil revolt. Um, not too unlikely, because I view this as being a controlling authority. So if you can imagine the uh, British Raj, when Britain took over India, and Britain ruled India for a couple of centuries. But we only ruled India with 100,000 people. And the population of India at that time was probably, I don't know, about 100 million people or something. Mm. Uh, but we only had about 100,000 people there to take control of the whole of India. Uh, and so as a controlling authority, you are mm, always sort of dependent upon the local population. Yeah. Uh, the goodwill, as it were, of the local population. And if they want to eventually throw you out, uh, they can do so. Yeah. which is exactly what happened to the British Raj and the British got thrown out of India, despite being the controlling authority with all of the modern weaponry that India did not have. Mm. Same with the Hyksos. They were a controlling authority that had all of the modern weaponry. They had the composite bow. They had the chariot. They had many things that the Egyptians didn't have, but eventually they, they still managed to get thrown out of the country. Mm. So that changes the story in that fashion as well, that, you know, these were not slaves in Egypt. These were a controlling elite, a technological elite. Um, and they still were thrown out of the country and had to find other places to go to. Mm -hmm. And I think they did. And they spread their technology uh, around the Mediterranean basin. This is why a lot of the... Um, remote islands in the Mediterranean became bases for metallurgy and, and glass and various other things because that technology had come out of Egypt with, with the Exodus. Okay. Um, and so the biblical story is correct, excepting, well, you know, disregarding the, um, uh, the theological elements, the spiritual elements of it, you know, it, it wasn't God that was causing the plagues. It was Santorini. Mm -hmm. Um, and the Israelites, as I said before, were not slaves in Egypt. They were a controlling authority. Apart from that, the story is the same. Mm -hmm. So the characters are the same. The events are the same. The repercussions are the same. The Israelites were Hyksos. That's why there is a Hyksos Pharaoh called Jacob. Yeah. Jacobam. In fact, there was two of them. Uh, there was a Hyksos Pharaoh called um, Mamme or Abram. Uh, the, there is a lot of similarities. I go through the list of the Hyksos pharaohs and, it, you know, give or take a few mispronunciations. They are virtually the same mm. as the ancestors of Jacob uh, and Abraham. If you look through the king lists, as it were, but they weren't called kings within the biblical story, the patriarchs. Yeah. Um, they have the same names as the Hyksos pharaohs of Egypt. Yeah, there's way too many data points correlating there for me to dismiss that as coincidence. Yeah, um, but I, I still get these these critics, and, and not just simply um, religious critics, which you might expect it from religious critics. They've they've only got 
one story to sell, you know, and if someone undermines it, they get a bit upset. Right. But I've got a lot of, um, dare I say, better informed critics who are supposed to be historians who are very critical and they will say things like, ah, oh, well, you can't just um, compare the names of two people like Jacob and therefore say they, they are the same people. And I'm thinking, well, have you read my books? You know, <laughs> this is not a simple correlation of, you know, two names of two different people who happen to have a similar names. Mm. <clears throat> it's much deeper than that. We have so many events that all correlate between these two stories and they correlate in the same fashion. So that they're, they're not separate events that have been jumbled together. They correlate <clears throat> and give the same story. So the plagues happened before the, the um, political dispute, before the exodus and so on. It all flows in the same manner between these two stories. Um, these are deep and complex comparisons between um, the historical and the biblical story. Mm. Um, I mean, I've written, I don't know how much I've written, actually. I mean, a lot of my books are like 500 pages long. Mm. So I've probably written in the realms of uh, three and a half thousand pages on this. It's deep. It's well-researched. I wouldn't say complex because that makes it uh, sound as if it's difficult to understand. I mean, these concepts are not difficult to understand. The, there are no very deep linguistics within it or things of that nature. It's all pretty obvious. If you are broad-minded enough to just accept the unusual, if that's what comes out of the melting pot, mm. um, like accepting that the patriarchs were pharaohs but i mean the biblical story says that anyway if you are in any way reading it with an open mind um i mean little things like abraham uh within the biblical story so abraham was one of the patriarchs um abraham was a shepherd yeah well that's how they like to portray them of course but abraham was was a shepherd who had 318 servants <laughs> Not just um, any yeah you know if you, if you go around the welsh hills or down in new zealand you don't really find many shepherds down there with um 318 servants mm. so you know if you're broad-minded if you're a bit logical that will give you the clue that something is a little bit wrong here mm-hmm and then you read Josephus, because as I say, Josephus writes the same story. He writes his, his own version of the Old Testament. Um, but it's a better version, in my view, because his version came from the original Torah from the Temple of Jerusalem when it was destroyed in AD 70. Okay. So he has a much older Torah than we do now. Um, and I think the original one might have been written in a more secular fashion because that's how his reads it doesn't read like it reads like history it doesn't read like the old testament mm. but it's the same story uh anyway so he gives the same story of abraham but josephus says that uh, abraham had 318 army officers okay well that changes the story somewhat now, if each of those army officers was a centurion, then he had a standing army of 30,000 people, 30,000 soldiers. Okay, so what sort of shepherd has a standing army of 30,000 soldiers? There is only one shepherd that would do that, and that is the shepherd pharaohs of Egypt, the Hyksos, because they had the biggest army in the whole of Egypt. In the whole of the world at that time yeah okay so abraham was a hyksos pharaoh of egypt it's pretty obvious if you've got an open mind and you don't mind change not the reality of this story but just the import of this story because again it means that these were very powerful people indulging in powerful political games mm. and powerful wars between entire civilizations yeah so 
not just a few slaves at the mercy of the evil Egyptians who threw them out. No, this was a civil war between two uh, very powerful dynasties. And, and one well, of them lost and got thrown out. Yeah, there's a couple, there's, there's a few things. So at what point do you know how, how was it? I mean, what can you say about the process of turning the, the Hyksos kings or pharaohs into these poor downtrodden sort of slaves? How did, how did we end up there? Um, I, two reasons. Um, the first reason is that this was written in the Babylonian exile when the Israelites were slaves taken to Babylon. <clears throat> this was by Nebuchadnezzar. So um, they were in Israel. So if, if we're talking about the Hyksos Exodus, we're talking about um, 1580 BC, mm -hmm. thrown out of uh, Egypt, came back to Egypt with the uh, Joseph story. We'll go through that in a minute. Um, thrown out of Egypt for a second time, sort of, mostly, came back into Egypt <laughs> for a second time with, with the Sea People invasion. The United Monarchy was in Egypt. We can go through this as well. The United Monarchy of David and Solomon. Mm -hmm. um, they were in Egypt in Tanis. Um, and then the Babylonians came along. So we're now talking 600 BC. So we've moved on a thousand years of history here. Mm. Um, and they got thrown out again. They got thrown out of both Egypt. I think more, uh, there was more of them in Egypt than Israel at the time, because at that time they were in control of the whole of the Levant. So they did, they were the kings of Judea and Israel, but also lower Egypt um, during the United Monarchy era. Um, but in 600 BC, I think their main base would still be in Lower Egypt. But the Babylonians came along, they invaded uh, Judea, they invaded uh, Egypt, and they took these people into slavery in Babylon. That's the Babylonian exile, the very famous, um, you know, by the rivers of Bav Babylon. Mm -hmm. You know, the famous song where we sat down, you know, how do we sing a song while you're in slavery? Um, they were taken as slaves into Babylon and the texts were being written during the Babylonian exile. Okay. So now everything that was Egyptian was, um, I don't know, a figure of hatred, you know, yeah. it was the evil Egyptians. That was, that was the fault. That's why, you know, we've been thrown out of our country while we're sitting here in Babylon, uh, by the rivers of Babylon in exile. Um, someone had to be bl to blame for this. And of course, the idea of um, the persecution complex is a very powerful motivation for keeping people together. Mm -hmm. We have to stay together as a group because we're being persecuted by these evil people, the evil Egyptians, the evil Babylonians, and we've got to stay together. That's the only way um, we can survive. And I think that's the reason why it was crafted in that fashion. They needed to craft a story of persecution, that we were the persecuted people. And then you whisper, yeah, but David and Solomon were the most powerful kings in the whole of the region. Oh, no, 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 no. We, we were still the persecuted people. <laughs> yeah, but Abraham had an army of 30,000 men. No, 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 no. We were still the persecuted people. And that... I think is the motivation for why they crafted this story in this fashion. Because if you read the story, that's not actually how it reads in reality. It's been gently molded into the uh, story that we have today, which is why people have to deny this because they're still living in that persecution complex era. You mm -hmm. look at Israel today, their whole ethos is based upon not undeservingly i would have to say but upon a persecution complex yeah because everybody in the region that surrounds them is trying to wipe them off the face of the earth quite demonstrably so with the yom kippur war and the uh, six-day war and the previous war before that uh justifiably they still think that everybody is against them and that is a powerful 
motivating force for keeping people together. And it still is today as it was then. Um, so that is the, the reason why this book has been crafted in this fashion. Um, I, you see this a little bit with the New Testament story with the Jesus character again. Um, we'll come on to this in a minute. Again, mm -hmm. they craft, they redesign the story with this character as a persecuted minority again. You know, the poor old Jesus. He was only a poor peacenik, poor carpenter, um, being persecuted by these horrible Romans and these terrible Jews. Um, again, it's the same idea, you know, the persecution complex. And then, you know, even later on, you know, all of the uh, uh, the the persecution of the Christians in the early centuries, up until the Constantine, I suppose, fourth century, when Christianity, you know, came onto the world stage. Um, it was all about the persecution complex again. That's yep. the way we keep our people together. Mm. Um, so yeah, that is that is the story um, of the early Israelites. They were actually very powerful people. They were the Hyksos. They were a very literate people. They wrote everything down. That's why we still have the Bible because <laughs> they liked to write everything down. The Bible itself was the daybook of the pharaohs. So the pharaohs used to keep a daybook, which is just like a diary, basically, of all of the events mm -hmm. within the royal court, whether they be petty and dom domestic or whether they be international politics, you know, of the era. Everything was written down at the time. Um, and all of the records were kept in the White House, which was the palace of, of the king, was known as the White House. So that hasn't changed either. No. Um, and that was the book that we have. It's a record of the um, Hyksos pharaohs of Egypt. And they were very, as I say, highly te technological people as well. The mathematical papyrus uh, from Egypt um, which has a lot of standard math that we use today. Um, it's a Hyksos document. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, a highly educated, highly literate people. Um, and that is, that is the Exodus event. Mm -hmm. Now, they came back into Egypt again because, you know, Egypt was a powerful place. It, it had everything that you needed for a, a big empire. Plus there was, you know, we've been kicked out of our country. So we want to take it back, I imagine. So they came back into Egypt under the Joseph story. This is why we have the Joseph story uh, about him being taken back into Egypt. And okay. of course, they have to portray it again as poor starving shepherds and all the rest of it with poor old Jacob being left alone in Egypt um, and then being molested by the um, high priest of um, On's wife and all the rest of it. Lovely little story. That's an old story that comes out of Egypt, actually. That's been portrayed in many, um, many different texts in different mm -hmm. versions. Um, and But we know that this is about the Hyksos people again because we have this wonderful um, dialogue between Joseph and his brothers and Pharaoh. And this is what I like about this story, because if we take this as history, instead of being pure mythology, here we have a, an exact copy of a conversation between Joseph and Pharaoh that has lasted for 3,300 years or so come down to us through you no know, 3,400 maybe years of history and we have this verbatim conversation between these two people um, how do we know that this is probably correct and, and talking about the Hyksos well because um, Joseph wants to bring his brothers and his family down into Egypt and they have to go and meet Pharaoh okay well that tells you that these are important people for starters you know yeah if, if I go to France or Italy, I, I don't go and see the president, you know. I just go to a hotel, you know. <laughs> um, you, you're not introduced to the pharaoh unless no. you are important people. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Joseph says to his brothers, you're going to meet pharaoh. 
<clears throat> but don't tell him that you are shepherds. Say instead that you are cattle breeders. <laughs> Your fathers and forefathers have all been cattle breeders because shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians and you will not be allowed to stay in the lands of Egypt. Uh, okay. <laughs> now that's portrayed, of course, in terms of agriculture within the biblical story. And that's how it's interpreted by theologians and even historians who seem a little bit brain dead, but there we go. Um, but of course, it's got nothing to do with agriculture. Mm. It's to do with the Hyksos pharaohs of Egypt, who are known as shepherds. And the previous regime of Egypt, who were known as cattle breeders, you might say, they were they venerated the Apis bull. Yeah. Um, a little bit of explanation necessary here. Uh, this is all to do with the procession of the equinox. Will your viewers be familiar? Some will, some won't. Let's maybe can, can you give us a nutshell? Yeah, I can. I, I can give a two-minute explanation of the um, procession of the equinox because this runs through the biblical story and many other stories within this era. Yeah, it does. Um, the 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 Earth wobbles on its axis. So this is real astronomy. It's not astrology as such. Uh, the Earth wobbles on its axis, um, and it has this big long wobble, which is twenty-six thousand years roughly. Um, and in doing so the constellations change. The constellation at the rising uh, of the sun at the spring equinox will change every 2,200 years, roughly. Some constellations are bigger than others. Um, and so we had the great, we call these great months. So the big circle, 26,000 years, that's the great year. So we have our normal year, we have the great year. Uh, we have the normal month and the great month. Mm -hmm. And the great month is roughly 2,200 years. So we had the great month of Taurus, which ran from 4,500 BC down to 1750 BC. Mm -hmm. Then we went into Aries, which is, you know, the great month of Aries, <clears throat> 1750 BC to about AD 10. And at AD 10, we went into Pisces. That's why Jesus was born as a lamb of God, but became a fisher of men. Because they were following the procession of the equinox. And, and we zeroed our date. So, you know, we are in 2023, not from the birth of Jesus. This is 2023 from the start of the great month of Pisces. Mm -hmm. So this is astrological. It's not really to do with Jesus. Um same in 1750 BC, they went from Taurus to Aries. That's why the shepherd Hyksos pharaohs were known as shepherds. They followed Aries. It's all to do with the procession of the equinox. Um, and this is what Joseph was talking about. So Joseph was saying to his brothers, you know, when you meet Pharaoh, uh, don't say that you are Apis, uh, sorry, don't say that you are sheep venerators for the great month of um i'm gonna have to go downstairs is that all right just for two minutes can you yep, go for make it. a break no worries so what joseph was saying is um nothing to do with agriculture uh what he was saying is when you meet um pharaoh don't say that you are um shepherds follow followers and venerators uh, of the great month of Aries say instead that you are bull worshippers worshipping the Apis bull of Egypt which was you know um, part of the uh, great month of Taurus and um, that also of course is linked to the Hyksos so he was saying don't say to Pharaoh that you are Hyksos shepherds say instead that you are venerators of the Apis bull because the Hyksos shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians. Well, of course they were, because only a few centuries before this time, they'd have a civil war with these people, which obviously cost, you know, probably hundreds of thousands of lives, enormous disruption within Egypt. So, of course, the Hyksos shepherds were still an abomination to the Egyptians. Mm. That's what they were talking about. 
Um, and if that's the case, if my interpretation of this is correct, then that means that this is, well, firstly, it makes sense. Before, in agricultural terms, it made no sense whatsoever. But now in astrological and uh, political terms, um, it makes perfect sense. We're talking about the Hyksosphere as of Egypt. Um, but it also probably means that this is a verbatim conversation between Pharaoh and Joseph, which, as I say, is 3,300 years old or more, mm. has come down to us through this text um, into the modern era. And that's interesting because if that is true, then that shows that this story has great veracity, mm -hmm. that it's probably... If, if that can be correct in its minor detail, that someone has recorded this and it's gone down through three millennia or more and is still recognizably has the correct meaning to it, then quite possibly a lot of other things within the Old Testament also are historically correct. Mm. You know, if you can get a conversation correct, then you can get the broader history correct within your chronicle. And I think that's true. I think that's what they've done. So they have a, a full and proper um, history of the Hyksospheres of Egypt. Mm. It's, it's interesting because, you know, that, it sounds so plausible. I mean, to me, this is such a, a rational approach to take. And, mm. and yet, you know, so many people who are wedded to the theology can't entertain these ideas and they can't even consider the concept that, there is this kernel of truth or this core of historical something did happen, but it's also been, you know, imbued with all this sort of supernatural, theological, spiritual stuff along the way and been edited. And, and you know, we call it spin or propaganda these days, you know, I mean, it's, I think it just, it just makes too much sense. Mm. It does. I mean, there's, a, it makes sense. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of material within the Bible that we're not actually taught about mm. um and so you can't actually make your own mind up about this because most people don't even know the information to start with yeah. um i mean there are a number of elements within the old testament which are purely egyptian mm. um psalm 104 for instance is the hymn to the artan mm -hmm. hymn to the artan for people who don't know is a hymn written by Pharaoh Akhenaten to celebrate the dawning of a new day. And that is in the Bible. That's it, Psalm 104. And you think, well, okay, well, that's interesting. It sort of links us much closer to the Egyptian story. Um, and if we come on to, just very quickly, the um, United Monarchy, so we have the Exodus, we have the coming back into Egypt via the Joseph story, um, which is then linked to Akhenaten. I wonder if we should go through that first. <clears throat> we'll probably come back to that. So that's linked to Akhenaten and the second Exodus, because there were two Exoduses out of Egypt, according to Manetho, who's the Egyptian historian from the third century BC. Mm -hmm. um, there were two exoduses. There, were the, there was the great exodus of the Hyksos and then the smaller exodus, which was quite obviously linked to Pharaoh Akhenaten. Um, and so they went on an exodus. So there was another exodus out, but I'm not sure that all of them actually left Egypt at that point. <clears throat> they may have just gone in further, deeper into the Nile Delta. Mm -hmm. because then we have a dynasty set up uh, in the Nile Delta at Tanis. And that, that, I think, is the united monarchy. Okay. So David and Solomon? David and Solomon, because we have this same old conundrum again, that these people are missing from the historical record. Mm. Um and so we're back to the same old problem, you know, is this mythology, as a lot of people would have it, or is there a historical truth to this? 
Now, when they've done the archaeology, there was a there was a lot of archaeology has been done in um, Israel and Jerusalem by Finkelstein and Silberman, and they drew a blank. They said that at this time, we're talking about the 10th century now, we've moved on 600, uh, yeah, six, 600 years or more. Um, Jerusalem was no more than a village. And that doesn't equate with the um, story from Kings and Chronicles at all. They portray uh, David and Solomon as being the most powerful kings in that region at that time. Mm -hmm. But the archaeology says, no, there was no such dynasty. There was only a village there in Jerusalem at that time. So what happened? You know, again, you've got these two choices. Either it's mytholo uh, mythology or perhaps we're looking in the wrong era, perhaps, or the wrong location. Well, with the Exodus story, we were looking in the wrong era. For this, I think we're looking in the wrong region because I don't think they were actually in uh, Jerusalem. I think they were in Tanis. Okay. So they weren't in Zion. They were in Zoan. Okay. A very similar title for, for this capital city. And Zoan was the capital city of the 21st dynasty of Egypt, uh, who again were sort of like uh, invading monarchy. They came into the region and took over lower egypt very familiar story um and they just happen to have a number of similarities uh with the biblical story mm -hmm. so uh where should we start this um well the first thing i looked for was um because you're not necessarily always going to get the same names, although we did end up with the same names. So that was interesting. So what I started looking for initially um, was a king that was, um, that was associated with a star and a city. We all know from the um, biblical story that um, David was linked, you know, the star of David and the uh, city of David. He was linked to a star and a city. And I happened to be browsing um, the king lists of Egypt, as you do, you know, <laughs> if, if you have an interest in these topics. And it stood out immediately that there was a king who was known for his star and his city. Okay. And that's Pasiba Kahayanit. And his name means my star rises in my city. Mm-hmm. And in his hieroglyphs, he has the star and the city glyph. Um, if you want to do a screen share, feel free. <clears throat> yeah, that's what I was looking for. I was going to do a quick screen share. Um, if it will do it. Yeah, you see the button down the bottom? Yeah. Because every time I, I go on a... a a talk it's a different system <laughs> yeah. so we're on zoom this time and yeah. down the bottom I'm middle just... middle of the screen and it's a green one there we go share screen oh. host has disabled it you've got to enable your end hang on a second let me see one percent one participant can share at a time here we go uh, uh who can share here we go okay now it should work for you okay uh so we'll try that again yeah Yep, that has come up. And then it says, what do you want to share? And we want that one, I think. So if we share that. Okay. Let's just make that a little bit bigger. Um, that's Pasiba Kai in it. So um, can you see my cursor? Yeah, I can. Uh, let me see if I can make my cursor a little bit bigger. So I'm just playing around with the uh, system preferences. Yeah, no problem. Uh, okay, so oh, it doesn't actually make it that much bigger. Anyway, um, you can see the duck. Yep. Uh, that is uh, Pa. Uh, and then we get the star, which is Siba or Sheba. Now that's interesting. 
So who's the queen of Sheba? She is the queen of the stars. So her formal title, because she came out of Egypt, we might go through this in a minute. Um, the queen of Sheba means the queen of the stars. Therefore, she is the queen of heaven. Mm -hmm. So it's quite obvious that she was an incarnation of Isis, okay. the Egyptian goddess Isis, who was the queen of heaven. Anyway, that's beside the point. So Pa is, is the sunrise, basically, over the horizon. En-Nuit. Nuit is the city glyph. So we get the star and the city glyph. And this cartouche of the king was stamped on all of the mud bricks that made the city of Tanis. Mm. So, yes, everyone would have known star and city on every single brick in, in the whole of the city. Um, and so, yeah, we do have a king who is known for his star and his city. Um, and that's Pasiba Kahayanit, who's known in the Greek. So if you look it up in a, in a wiki or something, he's called Susens, uh, Susens II. Um, so we do have a king who has some similarities with the David character. Mm -hmm. And of course, the, the name sounds different, but you can pronounce Seba in two fashions. Uh, Seba means star, but so does Duat. Hmm. So his name could have been pronounced Paduat Kahayana. Okay. And of course, Duat is the name of King David. It is, he was called Duat um, in the uh, Aramaic um, Hebrew. So there is an equivalence there. Mm -hmm. A lot of, um, uh, well, same as most language, but a lot of um, Egyptian words had two words meaning the same thing. And yeah. that's just one of them. Okay. Um, and this king, uh, Susens, lived in Zoan, not Zion, but Zoan. And so we have, if we go through his dynasty, we get a number of similarities. So this is a list, a king list and a patriarch list of 21st dynasty uh, and the biblical ancestors of King David. Um, so from the Bible, we get Ezron, and in, histori in the historical um, king list, we get Ezram or Ramesses. Mm -hmm. So Ezron and Ramesses. Then we get Ram and Ramesses. So there is a patriarch, there's a biblical patriarch called Ram, who is an ancestor of King David. And these are in the order that they're given within the biblical story. So I'm not even really changing the order here. That's important. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, from the Bible, we get Bin Nabdab. And from history, we get Amen Nazbanedjad. So it's uh, if we just knock out the middle bit, we get Amin Nabdab, Amen Nabjad. Same name. Sounds similar. Mm -hmm. Then from the Bible, we get Nashon. Uh, from history, we get Neshu. Nashon, Neshu. Uh, then again, biblical, we get Salmon. And history, we get Siamun. Salmon, Siamun. And then history, uh, sorry, biblical, we get Boaz, the famous Boaz of the, you know, the twin pillars. Uh, and from history, we get Buas Orkan. Boaz, Buas. Mm -hmm. And then uh, from the biblical record, we get Obed. And we get Amenemopet. So we get Obed and Opet. It's a, it's, so we get two dynasties. I mean, and these two dynasties lived at the same time. They're both 10th century BC. Okay. And they lived in a fairly similar location. One lived in Zoan, the other lived in Zion. Um, are they the same? Well, it's, it's looking a little bit like that. Um, but then when I started looking at the immediate family um, around King David, it seemed even closer. So if we look at uh, the daughter of King David. You'll find the full video and any bonus materials in my exclusive members-only portal, The Truthiversity. This unique creation is the official home for all my multimedia research and entertainment content. 
Updated regularly, my members get access to absolutely everything I create, including full podcasts, courses, articles, videos, audio files, the whole enchilada. Book your spot at truthiversity.com.